I want to offer a slightly different definition of ESG than you've heard from the panel so far. My definition, definition of ESG is a little bit simpler, a little bit more rudimentary, but if we understand ESG through this lens, it will help us understand how best to defeat this, not just in the financial world, but also in the social political world. My definition of ESG is exactly how the Chinese run their social credit score. ESG is a metric by which government officials who have appointed themselves as the arbiters of truth or the arbiters of virtue judge you. So if you're running a business, if you want to buy a car, if you want to secure a loan, these arbiters of truth and arbiters of virtue are going to judge whether you are allowed access to that capital in our free market system based on whether you are following their directives, whether you are acting in accordance with their radical leftist ideology as defined by ESG metrics. Now this might be a very elementary definition of this word, but it's very important to understand that ESG is not just something that's fought over in the corporate boardroom. It's not just something that impacts investors. It's something that impacts every single one of us and will continue to impact every single one of us in a very large way if we don't understand the political enemy that we're facing. So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk a little bit about the social ramifications of ESG. You can't really walk onto a university campus these days or into a corporate boardroom or even into a regular everyday workplace without encountering DEI. DEI is ostensibly diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those are very vanilla words, very neutral words. They even have a positive connotation, except that the left, who has established themselves as the arbiter of truth, has redefined those words. So if we're operating by the rules of the left, which we all try not to, but for this thought experiment, let's accept their premise for a moment. What is diversity? What is equity? And what is inclusion? What it should be is diversity should be diversity of thought, diversity of experience. Equity really shouldn't be equity at all. It should be equality under the law or equal opportunity. And inclusion should be tolerance of different viewpoints, tolerance of different religious beliefs, tolerance of different lifestyle choices, perhaps. But if we are playing by the rules of the left, everything that I just described, that is not what diversity, equity, and inclusion is. Instead, diversity, according to the left, is racism. Equity is discrimination and authoritarianism, and inclusion is religious persecution. Let me give a couple of examples here, because this, we see this in our daily political life on a regular basis, and perhaps the most prominent example when we're talking about diversity is how ABC's Good Morning America reacted when Ketanji Brown Jackson was sworn in on the Supreme Court. What did ABC's Good Morning America tweet? This is what they tweeted. Katanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. Now, that's clearly not true for anybody who has eyes. Clarence Thomas is the first black Supreme Court justice in our nation's history. But according to the rules of the left, Clarence Thomas doesn't count as a black person because he doesn't have the proper viewpoints, because he's conservative, because he's not what they would call politically black. In Vermont, in a city, on a city council, in the St. Albans City Council, they created a DEI board, a board that was dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they realized that they didn't have any black people on their board. So they hired a black guy. His name is Keith Longmore, and he came in to this board, and he said, 
his first statements were, I think this board is a farce, I think this hurts our families, and I think we should abolish ourselves right now. They fired him, the black guy off the diversity board, because he didn't think the way that they wanted him to think. This is the definition, this is the left's definition of diversity. Diversity in the eyes of the left is racism. That is just flat out racism. Equity is also discrimination and authoritarianism. Equity in the Midwest, I love the Midwest, I'm from the Midwest, but during the COVID outbreak in the Midwest, there was a health system, SSM Health, for anybody who wants to look it up, who created an algorithm to determine who would qualify for monoclonal antibodies when that was a new treatment and there was a shortage of it. And in order to qualify for this, it wasn't just a compilation of your physical risk factors, who was going to be the most vulnerable person to severe cases of COVID-19. Their risk calculator added a seven-point bonus to all patients who were either non-white or Hispanic. They did this in the name of health equity. Equity is racial discrimination. It's not equality under the law. This is nasty, evil stuff. Same with inclusion. Inclusion is religious persecution. What is inclusion in the eyes of the left? It's allowing biological males who identify as females into the locker room and the bathroom of your children's school in the name, they say, of tolerance. But it's not tolerance. It's religious persecution because you're not allowed to hold the view that men are men and women are women. You're a bigot. DEI, this is DEI, this is the left's definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So how does this DEI structure work? How come people don't just rebel against this? Say, listen, we're not going to send our kids to this school, we're not going to go to this university, we're going to quit our workplace, if you don't abolish these DEI initiatives, because this takes our country back into some nasty places. Well, the reason for that is because these institutions don't have the autonomy to do that. DEI is cemented into our culture and into these institutions by ESG. The S in ESG, social, is DEI. And so when these institutions rely on the big banking firms for loans, when they rely on other institutions that have implemented this ESG, because it isn't something that's coming to the United States, it's something that's already here, they have to have DEI offices. They have to have inclusion officers. They have, an, they have to have equity initiatives or else they're not going to be able to do business. They're not going to be able to run their institutions. And so the goal of DEI is obviously not real diversity, real equality, or real tolerance. The goal is control. Critical race theory is actually the best example of this because critical race theory, as we know, is a Marxist theory. It's a, it's a tool for toppling civil institutions in our nation in order to then topple government institutions in order to impose Marxism. And CRT has been infused into our society, not just in the school, not just at the elementary school level that we're so used to hearing about and fighting back against, but CRT has been infused into our society through DEI initiatives. So if we want to eradicate these poisonous ideologies from every institution that they've infiltrated, we have to abolish ESG. It's not as simple as just verbally pushing back on social media. Now, there are three ways to abolish ESG. The first way is to name it. One of the favorite tactics of the radical left is to try to make whatever tool they're using so blurry that it's hard to put a pin in it. And the reason for that 
is if you can't define what something is, if you can't take it verbally and hand it to someone else so that they can hand it to someone else, then it's impossible to destroy it because what are you destroying? The left will say, oh, that's an isolated incident. You know, critical race theory is just teaching the reality of what slavery was in our nation. If you can't define critical race theory as a Marxist critical theory that teaches white people that they are inherently racist and black people that they are inherently oppressed, then you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to kill that Marxist theory. So that's the same with ESG. If we can't define what ESG is, in a very understandable, very rudimentary way so that everyone can understand it, then we're not going to be able to get rid of it. The other alternative is to, or the other way to get rid of ESG, to abolish it, is to do what my fellow panelists are doing, and that is to create an alternative economy, a structure of institutions that do not rely on ESG, so that you and I, and more than half of the country who rejects this poison, has a way of pushing back, an effective way of pushing back. The third way is to kill this at the legislative level, and this might be the most effective way to abolish ESG. I know Riley Moore already got a shout out. He deserves, he deserves um, so much credit for what he's done leading the way, showing states how to eradicate this poison from institutions where taxpayer money is being used, meaning when the state invests money the state shouldn't be allowed to use your money and invest it in places that are using that money against you, to call you racist, to teach your children that they're evil, to persecute your religious beliefs. If conservatives understand not just the, not just the what it is-ness of the political enemy that we are facing, what is DEI? How is it cemented into our institutions? It's cemented by ESG. How do we abolish ESG, if we don't understand that trajectory, then we can sit here in this room and we can talk about how terrible it is. We can condemn Klaus Schwab and all the other nutsos for trying to create this socialist, communist, weirdo structure and impose it on us, but we won't actually be able to solve it. But we can solve it. We can solve it if we do these three things. These are the stakes. This is what's happening in our nation and if we don't put a stop to it, then we will be living in a Klaus Schwab reality, and I don't think any one of us wants that. Thank you so much for having me today.